Thought Bubble Audio. Look, up in the sky! You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Welcome to Beer with Geeks with Tim and Frank. Who are you? I'm Batman. I am Iron Man. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hi, Christopher. I'm Nero. My name is Inigo Montoya. You're a wizard, Harry. A couple of guys with a couple of beers and a whole lot of pop culture nostalgia. Make it so, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Name the dog in the ant. Life finds a way. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Now sit back and crack open a cold one. Because it's time for Beer with Geeks. It comes in paints? Shaken, not stirred. Great Scott! I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. Hi, and welcome to Beer with Geeks, where two geeks geek out with beer. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my man who loves to bring on guests without asking my permission. Frank, how are you today? Uh, well, I don't need to tell you anything, so uh, I'm not going to tell you how I am. I'm that's, not gonna... not how, that's not how this marriage works, Frank. I well, don't, I don't, uh, marriage is a strong... Well, we'll, we'll, we'll table that, uh, I okay. guess. Listen, I'm Frank, super they excited. they made Marriage Story about us. I don't know oh, what you're talking about. Oh, that what that... Huh. It's the story of our lives, Frank. Yes, you do kind of look like Scarlett Johansson, so I, I get... I that's a that. very yeah. big compliment. Thank you. We both have the same nose. I don't know if you've ever noticed before. I, yeah, Thanks. now that you mentioned, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing yeah. it. All right, good stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. I've always felt like more of an Adam Driver myself. Yeah, um, I, that's so. the long flowing hair, really. It is. It's the, it's the long, luscious locks that really, that's really it. nail it. That's I see what, it. That's what cements it. Listen, dude, I'm, I'm excited because uh, on the show this week, we have one of my favorite podcasters. Uh, you may know him from Rebel Force Radio, the preeminent uh, Star Wars podcast on the net. But uh, this week, he is joining us here on Beer with Geeks. Please give a warm welcome to Jimmy Mack. <laughs> Woo, hey guys! There's nobody. There's not a live audience, so I. <laughs> That's live enough for me. That's more than live enough for me. So, well, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, oh. thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure Jimmy, to have for, you. Thanks for coming on. This is a, as Frank said, it's it's a so it's an honor for us for you to be here. Even though we are just three guys in a room with our own microphones, <laughs> right? Well, that's all you need, really. That's it. It's it? really the best all times you... I've had have been three guys on Skype with a microphone. So it's true. That's... I will not tell your wife that, but that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's probably for the best. Uh, listen, are you guys drinking anything? Anything of note? I am drinking something of note, Frank. Thank you for asking. Um, what you got? But uh, but I'm actually going to I'm going to concede to our guest first um, because mostly because I have to read the label. So please continue. <laughs> he doesn't even know what he's drinking. <laughs> uh, Jim, are you are you uh, enjoying an adult beverage this evening? Well, I have uh, some ice mountain water here, just bottled water. But I, I did drink a full bottle of cough syrup before we started. Oh, so good. I'm pretty good. Primed. Yeah. Yeah, There's definitely I, some I, alcohol content in that, so that's that's. Oh good. yeah, yeah, and all kind of other things too. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> this would be interesting. Very interesting. I, you know, I don't know if kids listening. I wouldn't recommend doing that. No, uh, no, you know, not necessarily. I'm a nope. dad, so I always have to think about the the kids who are listening, and I'll be like, oh wow, I'm I want to be just like those guys and drink a bottle of cough syrup but no that's all theater of the mind kids we haven't really consumed a full bottle of cough syrup i'd like to let you think i did 
but I'm more responsible than that. There you go. Right. Anyone who listens to Rebel Force Radio knows. Definitely. Right. You, you consumed one of those little plastic caps of cough syrup is really what you're, what you're saying. Well, a, a dozen. One a dozen. <laughs> yes. Sure. It was a sure. healthy length of time. Excellent. It yeah. was very okay. good. And the tunnel vision is just starting to kick in now, so we better get into the <laughs> Oh, all right. We better hop on this. Oh, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, well, while we got him. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Tim, um, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a Wormtown uh, Blizzard of 78, which is a coffee, which is a coffee ale. Mm. Uh, and it is it is excellent. It is really cold where I am right now, so I th- and I'm tired. So a a sturdy ale that also tastes a little bit like coffee, I thought was the thing that was going to nice thing was going to wake me up. Oh, I would recommend. I don't know if I don't know if Wormtown is so local that Jimmy. I'm not sure if you could get it out where you are. I'm not positive about that. They're pretty local to Massachusetts, <laughs> I think. So I don't know if if you got them out in Chicago. Well, there's some great liquor stores in the area that have just about every beer you could ever imagine. I remember mm-hmm. a few years ago, I went on the hunt for a, a, a Wilhelm scream. Beer. Oh, I remember that one. Uh, yeah. There's a tie in the star Wars with that. And somebody tells me there's something out there right now. It's like a white ale or something. It's a stormtrooper. They had a can of stormtrooper. Nice. So I'm on the lookout for that too. I, I don't have much information about it. I was actually going to join you guys with a beer. And I had um, a 12-pack of IPAs on my back porch uh, cans. It, it all They froze. They froze. So no I was oh, no. right before we started. And uh, it's, uh, I have frozen beer Bummer. sitting in my sink. Probably, you know, the, the cans are starting to bulge a little now. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, that sucks. <laughs> you hate to see that. First through. What, what kind was it? It was uh, Lagunitas. Hmm. Oh, Lagunitas are good. That yeah, is a good so choice. I have a Lagunitas Hop Stupid Ale. Yeah, uh, right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that is that is what I'm that is what I'm enjoying tonight. Uh, yeah, double barrel dose of Malton hops. And they have uh, in uh, Petaluma, California. Right, is where Rancho Obi Wan is. There you go. Oh, and yeah. so I uh, became familiar with their brand out there, and then they opened up a brewery in Chicago. So. Oh, it's no kidding. A, I didn't realize that. In, it's made in Chicago and Petaluma now, so right. I get my fix Fun. no matter where I'm at. You guys have a pretty good, a pretty <laughs> decent beer scene there. I mean, you've, you've got, you've got like Goose Island is, is there. Yeah. Like there's some, there's some serious breweries in the Chicago oh, area. So many. I can't even tell you. There's one down the street from my house. Right on. It's Buckle Down Brewery. My son has played guitar in a band there. Uh, they've performed a few times. And Very cool. And uh, they have some very uh, interesting beers there. Uh, just last week, I was hanging out with a bunch of Star Wars fans and uh, listeners of Rebel Force Radio. We went to this place called Brixie's in, on Octon Avenue. And uh, we had some chocolate brew, like, you know, it was a stout. It was a stout, actually. Chocolate stout. And, mm. uh, oh, man, it knocked me on my ass. <laughs> it, was good. it was very, very good. Nice. Nice. I love a good chocolate stout. Uh, yeah. I just had a really good peanut butter porter uh, a couple oh months ago. Oh, so good. Maybe with real peanut butter. So, so good. So rich and delicious. Uh, uh, awesome, awesome stuff. I love when they get creative with that stuff like that. I looked up that Star... I, wor- I looked up that um, Stormtrooper beer. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's a it's a brand. I hadn't realized. It's just the original Stormtrooper. There's a Lightspeed Pilsner, Galactic Pale Ale... 
Um, and then one, uh, those are, those, those are it, but, uh, based on the different bottles or cans or whatever else, looks like they're out of the UK though. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, from what it, cause it's free shipping in the UK. Very Suffolk, cool. St. Peter's brewery in Suffolk. Huh. Does, um, inspired by the iconic armor designed by Shepard and design studios. La, 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 uh, la. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Well, very cool. Well, Look, you know, we could, I could talk about beer all, all day with you guys, but, uh, I, I, we're here to talk about, uh, something very near and dear, certainly to my heart, I think to all of our hearts, and that is the institution that is Superman. Was this school or something? I didn't realize. <laughs> it's, an Amer- <laughs> Superman, it's an American institution. Come on. We're, we're, we're going on, what, 80, 80 something, 82 years now. Um, it's um it's it superman's been my favorite uh comic book character grew up loving the character my, my whole life but but jimmy i understand that you also have a, an affinity uh for the character do you remember like the first exposure you had to superman Ooh, no i it must have come via batman probably the super friends mm. animated show from the 70s that's probably where I was first exposed to Superman. I knew I was a Batman fan first. Mm. The, thing I, the first thing I ever wanted to, the first item I ever wanted to possess in my life was a pair of Batman slippers, bedroom slippers. You know? Really? Oh, yeah. I it was still, not like a Batarang or anything. Like you went right for the, the like Alfred grabbing my slippers. Yeah. yeah. I'm I was tired. Very young. Very young. Um, but uh, and and you know back that was in the early seventies they weren't mar- merchandising things like to the degree they do now or early seventies so you're talking pre Star Wars merchandise so you're right yes. they were merchandising the same way right right so slippers was pretty much the best I had <laughs> um, <laughs> right. yeah you know the, the Migo yeah the Migo. so yep. those were the big deal when it came to uh, getting uh, superhero items in the house you know yeah. that, was, that was pretty much it really were those migos that was stuff, way to those 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 were those were really really sought after and they still are i uh when i like 10 10 15 years ago when i was in, co- in college like 15 years ago i was uh i interned for the guy who now owns the migo license and now like runs like runs the whole migo operation uh today was that the the was that the monster thing that you did yes. was that the yeah, that yeah, really yeah. the same 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 guy yeah yeah so that i got to see a little bit behind the scenes of like what how all that works but like it, i got i got an appreciation for the whole migo scene and and uh the the passion that people have have for it because yeah that was one of those things that like you know especially before i think before star wars before lucas kind of changed the the game with merchandising that was one of those things that were it's kind of the pop dolls of its day, you know, where like yeah. the, the, those Funko Pops. Yeah, but way cooler mm-hmm, way, mm-hmm. because they were they were screen accurate or comic panel accurate. Sure. Um, I, they're so collectible because most of the emblems were decals. So the S, the Superman S, was a decal. So nine t- nine out of ten times you would see a Superman without his logo. Ah, uh, yeah. Through just normal play, wear and tear. Those things mm. would pop off. Uh, they had these plastic gloves that they would wear. They were like mm-hmm. mitts. <laughs> they look like big oven mitts. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> those would be easily lost. And uh, we had a whole bin of those Mego figures from when we were younger and uh, and the Batcave mm. and 
Remember the uh, garage th- sale in which they all slipped away? Oh, uh, sure. Mm-hmm. For mere dollars and cents. So, <laughs> you know, and then I see them at conventions and whatever in uh, the condition that would be pretty much the same condition we sold them at and uh, just going for hundreds of dollars. So. Damn. Damn it. But I did get lucky. Um, we also had $6 million man. That was mm. a big deal. Oh, yeah. T.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> and so we had some of those. Also, they went the way of the garage sale. My mom, thankfully, held on to my Star Wars figures. We had them in the vinyl cases. Nice. And uh, nice. she always held on to those because she thought that that was something that I would want to pass along to my kids. Um, and it's true. Occasionally I let them uh, look, but n- no touching. <laughs> no, no, we're not playing with dads. We're not playing with dads. Yeah. Originals. Oh, no way. Like, oh, you know, my collector's no items, kids, they're not toys. They're co- they're boring. Ew, collectors, get away. Yeah, go, go, go. Don't touch yeah. these. Yeah. They just trashed my Hot Wheels collection for what it was worth. Uh, my, I, uh, my mom also held on to the Hot Wheels, and we had those also in vinyl cases, mm-mm. which was the preferred method of storage for the 70s kid a vinyl sure. case and um and yeah my kids just destroyed those hot wheels uh which was amazing to me because they lasted so long in my possession you know being played through all of the 70s and everything but i still kept them meticulously stored away in these cases and um my kids had one of those those rugs that look like uh streets in a town and you oh can sure as long yeah, um, I don't know what happened after that. It, it was a tough town, is what it was. <laughs> rough neighborhood. It was a grand before chance. its time. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, but the Star Wars figures uh, stayed uh, for sure uh, in my possession over all the years. But the Superman, the Migos, all gone in the garage sale. But oh, that was bummer. probably my first experience with Superman. Was more or less. Um, and obviously the comics, you know, I mean, there were spinner racks in all the supermarkets, so mm-hmm. that would catch your attention. Uh, Mom would say, okay, uh, I'll meet you back here after I'm done shopping. You'd stay there for 20 minutes, half an hour, looking sure. at all the comics. That's right. That's what we used to do, too. They weren't on the spinner by the time. They were just, like, with the regular books, which was, I felt like it was an upgrade. You know, like, oh, you can sit next You can sit next to Mary Higgins Clark. It's okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is literature, kids. Yeah, that's right. Um, but that's it. That just like, they'll be, you'll be here, and I'll be back in 20. I'll be back in 20. If you want to get Fantastic Four or Superman or Spider-Man or Batman or whatever, when I come back, go for it because it's a buck. It's two bucks. I didn't always get that. Um, It wasn't even that much. I mean, when I first started, oh, man, do I sound old, but it was a quarter for a comic. It was 25 cents, and that was tough to come by even as a kid. So, yeah. you know, uh, I remember once I found a full dollar in the parking lot. I was actually out looking for change so I can – pick up some comic book and i found a dollar i couldn't believe my luck oh, oh my god i'm happy when i find a dollar now never mind when i was a kid <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm like a dollar i'm rich somebody like when you pull uh, out but, your winter coat from last season you're like oh my god there's a dollar in here i purposely leave a 20 dollar bill in my winter coat at every spring so when i go back oh, to it in the winter so i'm like yes i'm rich oh, yeah that's yeah. just 
fun. That's that's a, it's manipulative, but fun. Yeah, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, manip- I'm, not, I'm manipulating myself though, so I right, feel right. like in the in the grand scheme of manipulation, it's pretty low bar. Yeah, yeah it is it is? That's a nice little springtime surprise. Or, or wait, I guess you Winter would have surprise. twice a year. Well, wouldn't you also want to? Uh, well, you'd have to set yourself up in the spring, right? Right, or put it in there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, it's springtime deficit actually, because that's I, I twenty bucks so. in spending in the springtime. But uh, yeah, but I gain an hour of, sl- but I uh, <laughs> I lose an yeah, I lose an hour of sleep and I lose twenty bucks, but I gain it all back in the fall. So you know, it's lots funny. of states are trying to pass legislation yeah. to wipe out daylight savings time. I was just reading about that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really. I'm I'm not really against that. I doesn't. I mean, I, I, I have an over an hour commute to work, so I am up when before the sun is out, and I am I am home after it's long gone. So if you want to give me a little bit of extra sun on my way home, I'm not complaining. Yeah, I'm fine mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, totally. yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it it's better for businesses too. It's just dangerous for kids going to school in that's, the darkness. You know, that's it true. Is. So it that's uh, that's scary stuff, but uh, but Superman, you know, my education for most superheroes came from television, probably um, the Super Friends TV show, uh, the Spider Man cartoon from '67, oh. Spider Man, oh, yeah. friendly neighbor. Oh yeah. Um, also, Electric Company had Spider Man shorts on yes. it too. A lot of that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And. Um, and uh, the Batman show from '66. Uh, an education for everybody, no matter what generation you were. That was like, awesome. I mean, it's it's real campy to look at as an adult, and we get that. But when you, as a little kid, as a four or five year old, that's high adventure. You oh, know, high stakes. <laughs> that movie, the movie was like was the most meaningful thing I'd ever seen at that age. You know, <laughs> it's like right? he saved the United Robert. Nations. Right. And Robin is trapped in a giant clam, and I don't know if he's going to get out or not. Those cliffhangers were so intense. Uh, you know, it really kept you on the edge. Um, but uh, Superman, you know, I watched the George Reeves show, yes. the black and white one that was that in was, reruns. That was big for me growing up. That was mm-hmm. really, really formative for me. George Reeves was, was my Superman for, for the longest time. Yeah, um, George Reeves on I Love Lucy was formative for me. Oh, right. oh yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. He 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 jumps through the shutters that they have yep, separated right. the kitchen and the family room. Yes. Yes. And that's right. Wow, what a move. <laughs> what a move, right? But what actually, just from jo- but actually just if you look at it from the world that they are knowing that say like George Reeves, the actor, is there in the Ricardo's apartment and he legit jumps over their sink. To dive into their living room, Ricky's in the kitchen, going, "Wow, good for that guy!" Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like, wow. <laughs> he does it for a five-year-old's birthday party, you know, like like he committed right. full-on committed to the bit, man. That's yeah, a full that's Superman move right there it to is. show up for a five-year-old's birthday party just because and right. to save Lucy out on the ledge, like yeah, full-on right. Superman. <laughs> yeah, and now that's high adventure right there, right? Oh yeah, real. So you- but, uh, um, you know, those are like the earliest memories I think I have. I wasn't a big comic book reader. Like, I, you know, I would look at them in the supermarket mm-hmm. and stuff. But it always seemed so confusing to me because the story arcs were, I would always be like getting dropped in the middle of the story arc and I just want to get it. And that right. was a problem. Right. For, um, I, I always had problems finding that 
place where I could I could segue in and start reading. And of right. course, they didn't publicize comics or promote them. There were no websites or wizard magazines or anything like that. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. So it was it was just, you know, the Wild West when you were a kid and trying to find your way into one of those books. I, I always had a hard time doing. I have a question for you then. So if you're if you let's say so you're dropped in the middle of a story in the middle of a Spider Man story arc or Superman story arc and you're like, yeah. what the hell is going on? What is the kind of the fundamental difference between being dropped in the middle of that story arc and being dropped in a new hope, which is kind of like the middle, right? You know, as a first time moviegoer, what's the, like, how does, like, how do you watch a new hope and go, I'm in the middle of something, but I'm engaged, but it's tough in the middle of a comic because I, because I, I used to be the same way. All my comics when I was a kid, early comics, middle of stories. I never had the middle I never had the beginning, and I never had the end. I was always the middle. Yeah. But there's something about Star Wars that gets you even though it's the middle. And I well, don't know what that is. What I think that helped that out the most specifically is the crawl at the beginning. That sort of sets up the whole story. You, don't, you would never have that in a comic book from the 70s. No. That would help get you up to speed. I mean, a mere paragraph on the first page would be so helpful. But rarely, if ever, did you see that in an old school comic book. Mm, it's true. They actually have them now, weirdly enough. They have like opening page text. Just yeah, like they crawl. do now. Yeah. Especially in the, the Marvel Star Wars line, which I'm. Yes, that's right. Regularly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that gets you up to speed pretty fast. But um, it helps. One no, you would see Twinkies eight, six ads. months behind. Yeah. You would get the Twinkies ads or the. Right. You know, be a muscle man ads. Oh yeah, oh, the yeah. with the the the, le- the, le- the leopard leotard and yes. yeah yeah yeah. He was in every comic book for years. For decades. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> or the ads for the joke factory where you get the X-ray specs uh-huh. Uh-huh. of that stuff. Uh, my my son gave me a book a few years ago where a guy actually spent years and years researching all of that stuff and mailed away for all the stuff and reviewed everything and it was it was pretty amazing. That's, <laughs> Some of the stuff wow. he got in wow. return. Mail. It was a it was a great book. There's a YouTube uh, I channel if I ever heard one. Yeah, if you think of the name, send it our way because it's, that's it's very that's inter- something I want to pour over. Definitely. I'll dig I'll dig it up. <laughs> yeah, wow. So by the I time that muscle man's workout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. I want to see if there's anything to that. But but so so by the time seventy seventy eight rolls around, right? And and Christopher Reeve uh, is gracing the big screen. Was that was that something that you were you were on board for? Oh, big deal, huge deal. Yeah. I think I was there opening day at uh, the Eden's Theaters on uh, uh, Skokie Boulevard, and with um, my my whole family went, and we went to uh, Mark's Big Boy afterwards to discuss nice. the. Film. I, I remember it vividly. I wow. collected the trading cards, um, went to see it multiple times in the theater that summer. Having the John Williams soundtrack was just so great. Um, the uh, opening credit sequence was so awesome with mm-hmm. the big letters and everything. And uh, just everything about that movie was was perfect, in my opinion. I, I still think that it sets the standard for great superhero movies. Um the acting in it was was amazing. Uh, of course, Ned Beatty and Gene Hackman. Uh, it was just it was a huge movie, and it was just during that time when 
movies really meant a lot. There was that five-year period after Star Wars from like mm-hmm. 77 to 82 where even beyond that. But, I mean, you know, you could argue still today it's like that. But it was just different back then. Movies were 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 more special. They weren't all franchises and cookie cutter, you know, made in a cookie cutter mold by a, a factory. These were, these felt like really special movies and Superman definitely qualifies for that. You know, I, I put it up there with star Wars, Indiana Jones, Raiders, you know, uh, uh, close encounters, uh, mm-hmm. just all those great classic movies of the late seventies, early eighties. Um, there was just a vibe about them, you know. There's just yeah. a specific vibe, so it, uh, at, joy at time, to those movies. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And at the time, you always felt like you were seeing something you'd never seen before. Mm. That was something I thought was pretty special. But it was Superman. It was him flying. But I also love the comedy that they mixed in. There was a mm-hmm. lot of great comedic moments throughout that whole film that I think really paid off in establishing. An excellent tone. It made the character so likable. Mm-hmm. Martin was great in it, and Chris Reeve, of course. You know, I mean, just it was I, it was so fun. I, I I agree. I mean, I think that Christopher Reeve doesn't get enough credit. He gets he has tons of credit for being like the Superman of of a couple of generations now, right? Like what people look at as like that's what I consider the pinnacle of Superman. But I don't think it's enough credit for his his like physical comedic chops, like the the physical comedy. That went yeah. on, you know, just his bumbling and his, uh, the, the way that he portrayed Clark Kent, the way that he brought that character to life. Um, say what you will about, about having him be as bumbling as he was, but he was a master of that physical comedy that, that really sold it in a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of shoulder shrugging is a continually, he continually pushes his glasses up, even though he doesn't need to push them up. There's like this, you know, like he'll, constantly push the bridge of his nose and it's like a half insecure i don't want anybody to see me without my glasses half like i'm clark kent and i've got to push my nose up my the bridge of my nose kind of thing yeah there is something great about that but you mentioned ned ba- uh you mentioned ned Beatty, who is just hilarious oh that. yeah are we going to addis ababa mr luthor mm-hmm. and you know otisburg <laughs> otisburg and, yes. and the music the theme that john williams gave him just underlined the the comedic take that they were taking on on just you know the incompetent that's right slobbish Otis you know mm-hmm. and that yeah that music really did a lot to to present that character in such a way you know that was There's that was the golden a- age of John Williams not not that he's ever written a score that wasn't amazing but really he had a string of them like a string of his most iconic stuff you know from from Jaws from seventy five mm-hmm. all, all the way you know well into the eighties. Yeah, what a just what a run he had there. He went yeah. full tuba for Otis. I mean, how many themes yeah. can you point yeah. to that was like this character's theme is purely tuba, right? You know, you don't get a lot of that. That's, um, but you're right. That is that. But John Williams, uh, those scores particularly, the B side of um of the of his melodies, you know, his Star Wars or his his Superman, you know, everyone thinks of the A melody, you know, like but everyone but the the second side of that melody, you know, Can you read my mind? Just as good. It's just as memorable. Right. It becomes Can You Read My Mind? And um all of those like seventy five to pretty much almost now, like 
the Indiana Jones, he does the same thing. You know, he does the march, and then it becomes the uh, the second half of the uh, the melody, the second half of the the theme. That's what makes his music work so well because it's not just it tells you about the characters and it tells you about the story, and you can listen to it and get the point of the movie without ever watching the movie. You mentioned it's, that Williams used the tuba for uh, the Otis theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also used the tuba for a famous Star Wars character's introduction. Do you know who that is? Is it Jabba? Yeah. Jabba. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's just, see, he, John Williams associates slobs with <laughs> the tuba. That's, <laughs> tuba. <laughs> that's, you know, that's his, his, his weapon of choice. Almost afraid to see what John Williams would choose as my instrument to, to <laughs> create a melody for my life. Yeah. Although I'm, I'm pretty clean. I hope I'm not like Jabba. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like angels harps and stuff, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks, yeah, Jimmy. I think you know, so. you know me so well in these last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so Superman was great and um I loved it. I saw it a million times that summer. And then Superman 2 rolled around and I was a little it was a little darker. Yeah. And Superman gave up his powers and everything in it. And as a kid, I thought it was kind of a bummer. I did like it a lot. I collected the trading cards for that one as well. Nice. But I, you know, there was just more tension involved in this, this uh, film uh, between Lois and Clark, obviously Uh, Clark reveals his true identity to Lois. Um, I always feel weird when that happens. I feel like that's a secret that the superheroes need to keep with the audience. Mm. Yeah. I always felt the same way. Like, I don't like how everyone knows Tony Stark is Iron Man. I don't think the world knows, right? Yeah. Like, he goes on TV and (laughs) does Iron Man things. It's like, no, no, no. That's only us as the audience should be in on that secret. I I like that kind of mystery uh, being presented to the in-world universe about the characters. Right. right. I I really like that perspective. I've never thought about it like that because, you know, you look at it like, oh, that's a secret to protect yourself or your loved right. ones or whatever but but that isn't like it's almost gives you like an intimate relationship with that person when you're like yes. i'm i'm in a place where nobody else is with you like like if you go to the bat cave and you know bruce wayne is batman nobody else gets to go to the bat cave it's just right. you and batman and alfred and that's yes. no, yeah. yeah that's that's a really good point i've never really thought about it that way before it does, it does create the intimate relationship with the characters and that's something that's bothered me a little bit about the approach that Lucasfilm has taken to the Star Wars sequels is the fact that they wanted to make a lot of the characters motivations and backgrounds a big mystery that you have to figure out and I'd rather know who these characters are that we're getting and have confidence in them and know exactly mm-hmm. who they are where they're coming from and what they want to do and then go with them as they evolve along on the journey that's fine but just it this idea that building a good character means you have to maintain the mystery about the character all the way through, I think is more of a detriment to good storytelling than anything else. It's like a gimmick. I'd rather know who these characters are. I want to know Clark Kent is from the planet Krypton. He grew up, uh, he's from Keys Kal-El. He grew up as Clark Kent in Kansas. He, his family kept it a secret. We're in on that secret. And um, it's almost like we're help, we're on the journey along with mm-hmm. them more because we know exactly who they are. I think that's a great point because you could still 
reveal something new about the character if you want to. Oh, but always. It, but it's just as much of a revelation to they they feel firm in who they are first mm-hmm. so so the audience feels comfortable with who they are you know each other yeah. and then so when their world is shattered you know luke learns that darth vader is his father that's just as earth shattering for luke as it is for the audience because we're in the exact same place of him we're in a place of comfort right. and if that character like ray is never in a place of comfort then we're not either and then so her uh the revelations we learn about her don't have the same impact because we're like Oh well, that's that's a change from not having any information. I guess right. that's it's yeah. It's, those are revelations that um actually that will change your perspective of the character, mm-hmm. and which could be damaging <laughs> as you go along this journey with them. Right. Um, uh, you know, I I think it's it's a gimmicky risk that uh has been happening and, and that's like a hollywood thing too you know everyone wants to capture that luke i am your father moment so they think they need to orchestrate it in such a way that keeps the audience totally in the the dark but uh i i think there's a, a better approach i i think i have more confidence in characters the more i know about mm. them that's yeah, yeah that's I, a really good point I, I definitely felt that way about superman 2 the first time i saw it when i was a kid i i felt like but but this is his this is his secret, and I think I think in in large part because, and I'd watched so much of like the George Reeves series where no one ever finds out. Yeah, right. right. Like sort of traditionally, no one ever found out, and so to mm-hmm. see this in in the movie, I was like, but they're just gonna, they're just gonna, he's just gonna tell her, like what? That's like, that's I don't know, I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, like, to, to give Clark credit, he does fall over a bear face, you know, like I he mean, falls yeah. over the bear rug. <laughs> I mean, you know? yeah. I mean, hey, he didn't happen. really want to tell her at that moment. You know, <laughs> he, he had different. You know, he was trying his hardest to hide it in that movie. You know, bumbling like to a fault, right? You know, because yeah, Lois throws herself over the waterfall. Blah blah blah. Well, Go ahead, Jimmy. I'm sorry. Here's no, no. I, I'm cutting you off. Actually, I'm the one who should apologize. But I, I just want to say this before I, I forget. Um, when Clark then feels comfortable enough to reveal to someone outside of the circle of you know, his family and the audience and himself that he's Superman, he tells Lois. Then this domino effect happens to where he gives up his superpowers. And then by the third act of the film, Lex Luthor is walking into the uh, Fortress of Solitude. And that's like the biggest violation of all time. So you feel that he's making a big mistake about letting our little secret get out there about who he really is. And you see that when Lex is there, then at the fortress of solitude, that's true. With, uh, Zod and all of them. That's true. It's the fortress of solitude. Superman. Right. <laughs> no one's supposed to be there. It's not, it's not party time. It's not the not fortress connected. of close friends, Clark. Right. The, yeah. No peggers allowed here. <laughs> It's you and a hologram of your parents, and that's it, man. That's it. Just... That sounds like hell, actually. That does sound pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bust out the kegs. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh man, just a hologram of your of your long dead parents telling you how to how to be. Right, They're right. Kidding. Yeah. You, like... you know, stand up straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Button that shirt better. You know. I always love that, that SNL that sketch. Guys... What's with the hair? You know? <laughs> That's right. too long, Kal-El. Cut it. Yeah. yeah. God. <laughs> what are you oh. trying to say there with that little 
hoop that you put in yeah, the yeah, yeah. forehead. <laughs> Come that on. Superman loop that he has. Does, does he do that? Does he grease his hair and then pull that loop down? Shape I mean, it into an S and everything. That just seems like a lot of work. I don't know, man. Yes. Just, yeah, the stick curl is just. I yeah. assumed it was natural. That was like Kryptonian hair just naturally falls into a spit curl. Just, just pull the glasses it. off and then the hair just comes down into a spit curl automatically. That's right. It's the, the magnet has, has a little magnet at the top. So uh, then, you know, yeah, like yeah. it holds the, the hair back. And so he takes the glasses sure. off and the hair just falls right down. No magnet holding it in place. It's the yellow out. sun. It, it's, it, it, it yeah. replenishes your souls and, and, and your cells and gives you superpower and also uh, styles your hair for you. That's it. That's a little, that's something that's really super, you know, super. It's like that, you know, <laughs> Superman, you know, because he's got the hair. Um, so Superman two was good. I, I, over time really grew to like that a lot. I only sat through the Richard, um, which prior is it? No, no, not the well, Donner cut. You're, you're, you're jumping ahead to different Richards. Superman 3. <laughs> Superman 3, Richard. No, I'm still on Superman 2. You have the Richard Donner cut and the Richard... Lester. Richard Lester, who is the guy who directed A Hard Day's Night. Yeah, um, and Help. And Help, yep. I was going to um, go Four Musketeers, but you guys probably have better answers than that. <laughs> Jimmy and I are both big Beatle fans, so there's, there's that. So um, I have the box set with the Richard Lester cut of Superman two. And, uh, I've watched it. I watched it once when it first came out. I was like 12 years ago. And, um, I haven't gone back to it since I thought it was kind of slow and, and dull. Um, I find that about the Superman two as well. I, I Superman, the movie I think is a superior film. It's, m- it's much more interesting, but specifically the Richard Lester cuts, the, the full thing was released. Yeah. And it's a vast, different movie than a lot of that footage it comes from like screen tests and and deleted scenes oh, and stuff so, no, no so you mean the richard donner cut the donner cut. because the lesser cut is lesser, the theatrical lesser's cut. the one that was in the theaters donner oh, was the, yeah donner was the one i confused the two richards that's pretty much how this whole conversation started about it anyways mass confusion <laughs> but yeah okay so richard donner cut that's yes. the one i'm thinking about and that's the one that i have seen I should have popped that in before we did this conversation. I kind of forgot about it up until now. It's but, a really interesting, you know, story of uh, how that all, you know, what happened there was they, they were going to shoot, they shot, or they tried, the producers tried to shoot Superman 1 and 2 back to back at once without telling the actors. <laughs> they wanted to pay them for one movie, but squeeze two movies of footage out of it. And wow. they, they kind of got caught. So they they finished up Superman 1 and then, they didn't have quite enough footage to make a second film, so they brought in Richard Lester to round it out, whatever they had left over to make Superman 2. And so the Donner cut, Donner directed the first one, I almost said episode one, the first movie, and and so when he, you know, in 2005 or whatever, he came out with his his cut of what would have been, what would have been his version of Superman 2. And there's like recycled, fo- like the ending of that film is the same as the ending as the first one, right? With the flying backwards to spin yes. the earth backwards on its axis and all that stuff. Because it yeah. was supposed to be one two-part movie, the the but the the producers were trying to swindle the the cast out of getting paid for two films. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to go back and revisit that one at some point. Um, what else in super? Oh, so Superman three then would be the next big thing, and that sucked. I mean, yeah. that was just bad. <laughs> it's bad. 
the special effects are bad. The acting is bad. The story is bad. It's just everything is bad about that movie. And so I saw that one in the theater. And that was the the last Superman movie I saw in the theater until Man of Steel. Oh, I did okay. see... I, I skipped Superman Returns. I waited until that was home video before okay. I saw it for mm-hmm. some reason. I wasn't really going to many movies at that time or whatever. Um, I'm just not motivated to see it. Maybe the reviews turned me off. Uh, I can't remember what the reason was. But then when I finally saw it, I did not like it. Okay. Uh, so, but, you know, back to the Christopher Rivera too, Superman 4. That one I waited for HBO or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, that was the smart. That was the smartest of moves. I feel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one mm. really felt like a made-for-TV movie. You just really slapped together. I, yeah, it was. The, the only reason that Chris Reeve came back for that one is he wanted money to make. Remember, um, remains of the not remains of the day. Um, some movie, some movie where he played a time traveler. And he falls in love with somebody, and the and the Warner Brothers wouldn't finance it unless he came back to make another Superman movie. Uh, so he's like, "Yeah, all right, whatever. I'll be Superman one more time, just to make the movie I wanted to make." So mm-hmm. that's how they got Sean Connery to come back for uh, Diamonds Are Forever. I think that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Is that the one where they? Is that is Diamonds Are Forever the one where they can't call him James Bond, or is that Never Say Never Again? Or well, Never Say Never. I mean, they could call him James Bond. Um, but in Never Say Never Again, it was produced by a different production company. That's it wasn't the broccoli. They can't use the music or the iconic like barrel, gun barrel opening and yep. all of that. They, it was uh, it was a different production. But no, he was still James Bond and all that. That okay. that long story about two producers fighting over the rights to this uh, because this other producer was working on something with Ian Fleming and it. It all got uh, so Thunderball was uh, that movie, and then they remade it as Never Say Never Again. With that's the right, company, and with the return of Sean Connery, right? So, um, which yeah, the movie probably would have never been made if they couldn't get Sean Connery on right, board, right? Um, because at that point, that was when Roger Moore was still Bond, mm-hmm. pussy era Bond. Yep, 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 yep. Um, we do a Bond cast. If anyone's interested and want to check that out uh, at rebelforceradio.com, it's called Bondcast. And we just did Octopussy. So we, oh, did you? All the films. Yeah. I've been, and, I've been uh, sort of working my way through the catalog again. As you guys put out your episodes, yeah. I'll, I'll make sure and watch you know, whatever episode you guys are talking about as, as you release them so that I can kind of pace oh. along with you guys. So it's been, it's been a Perfect. fun excuse to yeah. kind of watch, watch my way through, uh, through those, those mm-hmm. films, some, some of which I'd only seen like once. You know, right, a, you know, a long time me ago. Me too. I'm not a hardcore James Bond fan, um, but I certainly have learned a lot over the years of doing this show. Um, but uh, that show all started over a bottle of scotch in 2012 at Star Wars Celebration with uh, Jonathan Wilkins and Jason and myself. And we just started talking Bond, and then the next thing you knew, a podcast happened. <laughs> That's, that's story of our lives, Jimmy. Story oh, seriously. of our lives. Seriously. Yeah. That is pretty much how this show started too. Yeah. yeah. I hey, this yeah. would be kind of funny if other people could hear it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> well, 
Britt, well, I was I was going on a business trip to China for like two, three weeks. And I said to Frank right before we left, I was like, Frank, we should do a podcast, but I'm leaving for three weeks. So think about it while I'm gone because I'll be in China and then come back and we'll come back and we'll figure something out. And and then you no know, six what year? Six years? No, seven years later, Frank. How just, many just, times, how just, long have we, we just, been doing this? We just had our five year. Our five years a few months ago. So you're going on six. Wow. Going on six. Congrats. Going on six. That's about half the time you guys have been doing your show, but we're getting there. Well, you know, yeah, we're we're in a, it's a self torture uh, <laughs> for a long term, you know, for a long time and a long term. So Superman three, nobody really liked that one. Nah, right? no, I not. remember watching that one when I was a kid and yeah. being scared. The like, I the end scared the crap out of me oh, with the girl, yeah. and she became the machine, and she was green, and like whatever else, and I. I mean, I must have been four, five, six years old, and we had it taped off a of TV. And I think that was actually the first live-action Superman I ever saw, now that mm. I think about it. Well, you know what was the most disappointing thing about that film is uh, Richard Pryor was really at the peak of his career, and he simply was not funny in that movie. <laughs> nope, no, he was not. <laughs> he didn't give him much to work with. Richard? They didn't no. give him much to work with in that movie, you know? like no. it, He was a funny, no. like, you know, obviously super, super funny comedian, but just the character was the character. It? yeah it was awful so that's disappointing and like i said he was really at his peak i mean mm-hmm. people were expecting a lot from that um yeah um because just the year prior he did uh richard Pryor on the sunset strip which was a huge movie it was you know stand-up comedy yeah. act that they released uh, theatrically and it was, that was a big deal for him man he was he was at the height of his powers when, yeah. did, when did Richard Pryor die? Was it pretty soon after Superman 3? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. He got sick. He got really sick. I think he got MS. And, really? Yeah. And no, he passed away, uh, I want to say, five years ago. Oh. Before that. Um, but uh, no, he, he was not working for a number of years because mm-hmm. he was so sick. But um, he was, you know early 80s i he was one of the most famous guys in the world i think oh yeah uh, so no he died gosh he died 15 years ago in uh, 2005 okay i'm seeing here so hmm. yeah. god 15 years ago was 2005 that hurts I know, right? that hurts a little <laughs> That's bit of the sith 15 years ago Jeez. oh the 2000s have really flown <laughs> by Man, you know, i'm still finding stuff in the house that i stashed away for y2k um, <laughs> you know, be like, why is this? You know, because all hope the, it's non-perishable. Whatever you're finding, yeah, all right, the, yeah. All the bottled water I had stashed away evaporated. You know, <laughs> even in the plastic things, it's just like a bunch of this, but empty. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of moisture damage in the crawl space. But uh, <laughs> well, your beer's frozen on the back porch, and it's just. Frozen beer, <laughs> empty bottles of water. I just can't get hydrated. No matter, yeah. <laughs> can't get a break. Or dehydrated, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, either. Yeah, but uh, well, yeah, it depends on what you're drinking, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but so okay, so you got Superman three, Superman four. That was lame, and that was the end of the Chris Reeve era. Yep. And then the next thing that really caught my attention, Superman wise, was the death of Superman in the comic. Yes, right on. Huge. Got the world's attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a big deal. And I had just recently found myself getting more and more into comics, 
when Dark Horse picked up the Star Wars license. Ah, yeah. Yeah, so that was in the early 90s, and this is about the same time Superman bid it. So I got sucked in to then all of the Superman titles, and it was really easy to follow because they all had these little triangles on the front cover with numbers. Yes. So it would it would you would know what order to read the books in because new books were coming out every week there were five different titles there's action comics man of steel uh superman just a plain superman title and then uh there was another one um man of steel superman i can't remember them all now it was adventures of superman maybe it may be an adventures of yeah uh and then there was a book superman man of steel which i think only came out four or five times a year. But that was also in the mix, along with the annuals and every other thing. So they put these little triangles with numbers and the year in the front cover. And they kept that system going for years and years. And I kept reading those books yeah, they for got years with and the years. Triangles. Yep. <laughs> I mean, what a great, what a great promotion. I mean, it really worked on me, killing Superman. It re- I got so into that. And um, that was religious appointment reading for me every week were those Superman books. And then that opened up the door to other things in the DC universe. And, of course, I was reading uh, Star Wars comics as well. But that was the first time in my life I had really gotten into Superman Hmm. comic books or superhero comic books, for that matter. Um, I'd always liked them and stuff, but I mean, to really be into it and following the story and Knowing what all the titles were and how it all came together was great. So for about 10 years that went on, I read Superman books religiously. So would and, you say that was like the height of your Superman fandom at that point? Oh, without question. Yeah. Without question. Um, you know, I, I, I failed to mention, I believe I was Superman for Halloween once as a kid. <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I had that plastic mask that you put on. It had the little loop spit curl. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. I like that the Superman costume came with a mask, even yeah. though, like, you could just use your face. But right. you had to look like an adult, so here's a little plastic mask with the spit curl. I, I like it. I, was really, yeah. I think I had braces, maybe, or something. I had braces when I was 10, so I got braces, I think, at an early age. 10 uh, is young for braces. Yeah, yeah. that is young for yeah. braces. But I, so, um, and I kept breaking them, too. <laughs> I kept breaking them. <laughs> oh, man. I always remember my orthodontist. Curls. My orthodontist would be so pissed. He'd always be like, "Why are you destroying my appliances?" He'd always. <laughs> and he's, and the guy must have smoked like five or six Pall Malls before every appointment I ever Ooh. had. <laughs> Cigarette stinky hands in my mouth and stuff. I wanted to hurl, but that has nothing to do with Superman. Superman never needed braces because he's Superman for crying out. He's right. his teeth were perfect from day one. Um, fully but, formed uh, adult teeth in his baby Kal-El pod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah wow. Do do Kryptonians have baby teeth? Do Kryptonians lose their teeth? Does how does that work? Mm. I hope mm. he didn't have fully grown adult teeth as a baby. That would have been horrifying. <laughs> Creepy. He'd have a big but, smile. Um, but uh, so I I love those books though. No, and that's that's a great time. For- that's a great era of of. Mm-hmm. I I went back uh, several years ago and read my way through that entire thing, all the triangle numbering and everything. It was a, it was a good a good gimmick and a good way to keep people around. Yeah, uh, they they dabbled with it again maybe ten years ago. They they brought back the triangle numbering briefly. No, they didn't. 
me for uh, a year. Well, they lost me because they stopped putting the triangles on the the covers, and then all of a sudden, I noticed that the stack on my nightstand was getting taller and taller, and yep. I just finally had to go into the uh, comic shop one day and say, "Guys, I, uh, I think this is the end of an era here." Yeah, it's always a sad <laughs> yeah. day when you, you you cancel your your subscriptions, your uh, yes. your your box. It's like, okay, I think I gotta gotta call it, and like, oh well. Hold on to it, really? No, I got it. I got to just call it. Sorry, guys. No, when I've got more, when I when the lit, when the like the stack is higher than my desk, like it's time to give it up, boys. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was around, you know, the mid two thousands, maybe around two thousand five, maybe around the time Richard Pryor died. Huh. I decided to hang up the <laughs> Superman. So <laughs> I stopped. It. I pretty much stopped, and and that was it. You know, um. I uh, went to see Man of Steel mm. and was kind of mixed about it. I didn't think they did a very good job presenting Superman in that movie. I'll be honest with you, and I didn't yeah. like the, I didn't like the suffocated color palette of the film. I always thought Superman as a character should be bold and popping out of the screen and everything, and it yeah, just looked speaking like in our language over here, Jimmy. That's yeah, that's I, I'm yeah, definitely that's on our, the same that's page our with line you there. in the sand right there. That's yeah. My- that's my uh-huh. Man of Steel is, is I just never could get as the such a big Superman fan. I was so excited for it, and I just can't still to this day really can't fully get on board with it. There are things about it I've come around on, but in general, I just can't get on board with it as a direction. I just eh, it just doesn't feel like the right, it doesn't feel like Superman to me. Just is so muted, and I thought I listen. I'm not one to really talk in glowing terms about Amy Adams. I think she's a very overrated actor. Really? Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You're All the right. only person I've ever heard that agrees with me. I know. Wow. Oh, that oh wow. Yeah, oh, I, I, know agree. No, I agree with you. Yeah. I like I think she's good, but I think I I just can't get on board with what she delivers. And I, I just she don't was a terrible choice for Lois Lane. I mm-hmm. just can't get over her. As I she's just she ain't no Margot Kidder, that's for sure. No, I, I found that Amy Adams' Lois lacked an energy that Lois yes. has. There's like a vitality to Lois. Right. That like kind of it seeps off the page or the screen or whatever. And I don't think that Amy Adams really had that as Lois. And, and a toughness. Yeah, tough. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that she can take care of herself and you don't worry about Lois, even if she's in the worst straits imaginable. Right. You right. don't even it's not even waiting for Superman to show up. It's just that, you know, Lois will figure out a way to get out of yeah, it. Yeah, sure. She could yeah. take care of herself, like mm-hmm. like Marion Ravenswood from Indiana Jones, or even Princess exactly. Leia. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. you you have confidence in that type of character because at the end of the day, they all have to fill that damsel in distress role to make the superhero save the day. I mean, that's 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 typical. You know, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people push back against that nowadays because it promotes some sort of. Uh, ancient stereotype or something but that's always been something that's fueled uh superhero movies is um up until fairly recently arguably last year maybe the year before (laughs) right like that's yeah i mean you can go back to man of steel or batman versus superman like they're still saving they're still saving lois right 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 yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah, um, I, I definitely agree. Those are all the things that, that Lois should, should always be. I'll definitely, right. I definitely, definitely agree with you guys. Um, um, she's tough because she has to mm-hmm. get the story, you know? Yes. And yes. That, that always gave her that extra motivation because she was a career woman and chased 
chase the story like it was you know like 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 Quint going after the great white, you know, that was always Lois's thing. Nothing would get in her way right. of breaking the story. So, um, go in the water. Yeah. I, I don't have that water. confidence. Yeah. yeah. I don't have confidence in Amy <laughs> Adams as Lois. I just, I lack that confidence in her. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, um, interesting. I, I'd never really heard that perspective before. So I'm interested. To, uh, that's very interesting to hear. I like, yeah. I like, you know, it's interesting because I think what she says in those movies is very Lois. Like, she says a lot of the things that Lois would say, but I don't think the delivery is how Lois right. would, would, There's would say. There's an edge. It. There's an mm-hmm. edge she lacks in this role. On the other side of the coin, I can't get enough Michael Shannon as General's Eye. I oh, he was great. Yeah, I agree. He's such mm-hmm. a great actor. I love Michael Shannon. Mm-hmm. And he just ate that roll up. Oh, was he good in that? So and, good. And um, I thought Kevin Costner was great as Jonathan Kent. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, I, uh, I, I think it was the massive CGI finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, that film for the first time feeling legitimate CGI fatigue. Oh, uh, wow. I was like, wow, I don't even know what was happening there. You know, I, I, it was like, Whoa! What just happened? I don't even know what what happened to the movie. I was just watching it; just completely surrendered itself into this CGI. Uh, you know, I, I think these studios just try to outdo each other so much it turns into a jerk fest. Um, I agree. In some ways, that's why Force Awakens was a, a weird revelation for people because you just look at it and you're like, "That was a puppet." And I could tell it right. was great. Yeah, you know, right. and that's BB-8's because. Real. Yeah, because it was just a. Uh, um, there is a. Your brain knows it's not real. It could be the most detailed thing in the world, and you used to look at it and go, "I know what I'm watching, and it's not real, so I don't feel stakes the way that I should feel them." Um, and then, and sometimes it, it just it you you try to take in everything, and your eyes don't want to. And so right. then you end up, and then you end up missing the narrative, which it's, is the whole point of going natural. to the movies. Yeah, you, you, your brain won't accept it. And uh, when when Man of Steel came out, what was that two thousand eight? Was it that long ago? Mm, Thirteen. Thirteen. Twelve. I think it was twelve. All right, I was just trying to put in perspective the year, um, because you know, for a while, and and I don't want to get too morbid or or down into the weeds about, uh, uh, you know big issues or anything but i don't know man after 9 11 i still have a hard time Mm -hmm. seeing these giant metropolitan areas get completely destroyed i i still do sickness Mm -hmm. of 9 11 2001 when i see imagery like that yes yes and you know i'm not as think i don't think storytellers or, or movie filmmakers should be tiptoeing around that that kind of sensitivity but at the same time, when it's just gratuitous after a while, and I felt like the end of Man of Steel was just gratuitous destruction of a metropolitan area uh, via CG. But it's like, how do I get entertained by that? Where do I find joy out of this? I, 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 I start to feel all of that slipping away and walk I, out right. of movie theater feeling like, not uplifted like I should after a super right. and where the movie lacks joy before that moment in the first place, like you're even you're digging yourself further into a pit than you would have before because you're already not feeling great by the time that you get there. Um, it's I not a happy, agree. uplifting Superman to begin with. No, and so then to have it culminate in this 
you know, destruction that, that does at times feel gratuitous. Um, and then, and then you end with going even a step further and we see Superman snap Zod's neck, uh, in the, in the fat, in the sort of very graphic way that he did. It, it doesn't leave you feeling uplifted, excited. Like I just watched a Superman movie. Like I, like mm -hmm. I, like I expect to. Um, so that's, yeah, that's kind of, you kind of just described why I've just never really been able to get on board with that movie. And I have many friends who, who love it, who think it's a masterpiece and it's a great film and it's Zach's, one of Zack Snyder's greatest films. And I, I don't begrudge them that, but it's just Superman mm -hmm. to me. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there were some liberties taken. Uh, when he snapped, um, Zod's neck, I think that happened in, uh, Union Station in downtown Chicago is where they shot that. Oh, really? very cool. Really? I'm pretty sure. That's the same place they shot the Untouchables sequence with oh, the, yeah. the carriage mm -hmm. going down the steps and all of that. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll see somebody there, uh, reenacting that scene you know and he'll like a dude will be laying at the bottom of the steps like um um uh, uh, garcia what's his name uh that actor you know him from the untouchable Andy, Gar Andy, 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 garcia. Garcia. Andy garcia yep and he's laying there you know and like and he's like pointing with his guns so. <laughs> i'll see that i'll actually see people reliving that gotta do it for instagram you know yeah taking yeah. the pictures and stuff that, that's not this is really this is really film nerdy. See if any of you, either of you, get it. Do you think those people are reenacting the Untouchables or Battleship Potemkin from 1925? Oh my Anybody? god! Anybody? Oh, no, geez. no. Well, Battleship Potemkin is where that carriage thing comes from. That's like oh. the original movie where the carriage and the baby go down the stairs and all that. Like that's the that's the original. I don't know how they did that in 1925. Like, you want to talk about lack of computers? In, they, they didn't shoot <laughs> that at Union Station in Chicago, though, did they? I don't think I, so. I think it's a Soviet yeah, film. So, yeah, right. yeah, it's a Russian film. <laughs> no, so, I'm not no, sure about that. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that they're reenacting the Untouchables. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, oh, no. film. Chicago's an artsy place. You never, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> it's true. So, that's Man of Steel. Also, I hated the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On Simmer. The Spartan single note, piano notes that are supposed to pander emotion out of us. I hate that. I hate that simplistic. It doesn't. It just I doesn't. I have a vague, vague memory of you saying that that on one of your episodes when one of the trailers for one of the new Star Wars yes. movies came out and they they did the Force theme or the Star Wars theme or the Force theme yeah. that way. And I remember you. It might have been you that said that where you were yeah. like, "No, stop it. It's a yeah. full. It's a full piano. There's a full piano. Use it." I remember um, that. I think it was yeah. Force Awakens, uh, one of the first Force uh, Awakens yeah. trailers. I've gone off on that a few times um, because it's a it's a trend that uh, continues to this day, especially with all these franchises coming back and getting their trailers. You're going to hear the Ghostbusters theme played. You know, ding, 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 right. ding. <laughs> right. Either that or a creepy children's choir, one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, what are we doing, here, guys? I mean, what are we doing here? And a lot of that stuff, I think, starts with Hans Zimmer and his approach to soundtracking. But yeah. of course, you know, guys like Zimmer don't compose music for for trailers. It's it's usually uh, one or two production houses in L.A. that do that stuff. Right. And, right. and uh, it's it's become so homogenized and cliched and just laughable at this point. The uh, I call it the uh, nostalgic toy piano. So, <laughs> that is little, like, what it is. Tyke, like tossed, like tyke pianos with the big keys, yes, like the yeah. red and green keys. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I agree with yeah. you. I don't. I don't care for that score either. It doesn't. It just doesn't inspire any kinds of right. emotion or you know. It just it doesn't, doesn't lift you up. No, right. It's a character that's supposed to lift you up. You're supposed so, to get old so this color, is, loud music, fan preach, fears. preach, brother, yeah. preach. I'm with you. Amen to that. Listen. Um. So on on that note, uh, yeah. we're we're Thanks. we're coming up on on time here. So so let's oh. leave our let's leave our listeners with uh, on an on an uplifting note. Um, but so, so what, are, so what are those things that you love about Superman that make him, you know, the things that we want to aspire to, like you said, you know, colorful, you said that he should be uplifting. What, what are those things? And what, what are the things that, you know, you define as the characteristics of super? I could sum it all up in one word. Martha. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I- Stop this guy. Serious question. Serious question. Why did you say that name? Question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, I'm not a hater necessarily on Batman v Superman. Whenever it's on, I always find myself getting sucked into a little bit of it. I I, uh, I actually kind of like that one. And I know it's very controversial and people don't like it. Justice League, I I can't even sit through Justice League. I've tried. (laughs) I I can't even sit through it. Uh, Batman v Superman though has its moments. Yeah, I agree. I kind of like Batman v Superman. It it, ha- it has for me. It ha- I'm a bigger Batman fan than Superman, so it it has moments for me that shine greater than not. Though there are still some fundamental things like there's no hope in it. Again, still it's just a very bleak, dour film, and yeah. I like to be inspired most yeah. of the time. So, but there's some pretty cool fight sequences in it. So you know, wanna, yeah. you know. But with Superman, you want to have a character that um, comes off as, as, you know, really good and somebody that you can rally around. So, you know, sometimes Christopher Reeve would even present the character with a bit of naivete, and I like that. Um, You know, kind of uh, things that remind you that in some ways Superman is a nerd. Clark Kent is that nerd, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. because it just sort of adds to the integrity of the character. Um, I like uh, I like the old school Superman who's working at the Daily Planet. Nobody knows he's Superman. He's got that back and forth tension with Lois, but they're not a thing. Um, you know, Jimmy Olsen uh, obviously uh, worships at the feet of Superman, and uh, Perry White wants to snag the story, and all that dynamic coming together, I think, makes good Superman stories. When you bring Superman and Lois together, uh, that that tears away at some of the mystery, and um, it, it it can turn into a rom com at times when that uh, Clark and Lois thing gets promoted. I didn't watch that Dean Cain show either. Oh, and I did not oh. watch Smallville. Mm. I have, a, I have a, a. There's a repulsive nature to the CW that I cannot. <laughs> okay, I just I can't watch anything on that channel. They all seem to be cut from the same sort of cloth made of teenage angst that just really annoys me at fifty cloth years. Cloth made of teenage angst. <laughs> oh my god! There's a show title if I ever heard one. Well, I have bad news for you because there's a Superman and Lois show. Coming to the CW next year. <laughs> I, know, I know. I don't watch any of that stuff. I don't watch Supergirl. I don't watch, uh, yeah, Lois and Clark. I thought Dean Cain was joking Superman. Just <laughs> by looking at him. 
Now, if, if people are listening to the show and they like that stuff, that's fine. It's still Superman. It's, it's just not my cup of tea. And Fair. neither was Smallville, for that matter. I don't, you know, prequel shows that kind of skate around the mythology so much turn me off a little bit, too. Um, so, uh, you know, where do we go now with Superman? Uh, is, is there anything even in the cards? Uh, you mentioned there's a TV show, um, which I won't give the time of day too because it's on the cw it's <laughs> so, as simple as that it is as simple as that i just don't get that television channel on my personal network yeah no, that's <laughs> fair. I, I, I can i can see how it, it's definitely not it's made for a, a they make a specific kind of show for a specific right. kind of audience um they yes. definitely lean into the teen drama thing the, right, the cut from the cloth made of teen, teenage angst. You know what was a teen drama for me when I actually was a teenager? It was like 16 Candles, okay? Oh, sure. Like, weird science. That to me was high teenage drama. <laughs> you know, high kind of teenage because, drama. That's a subgenre I can get on board with. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were all just goofy comedies anyway. The, the reason why I feel so connected to those films is because when I was actually in high school, those movies were all shot in my neighborhood in and Chicago. surrounding suburbs in Chicago Hughes oh, cool. from the same yeah. suburb. I grew up in Northbrook, Illinois huh. and uh, the original name of Northbrook before it became incorporated as Northbrook, it was known as Shermer and Shermer of course is the high school that's um, represented in all John Hughes movies. As a kid, I grew up at Shermer and Willow Road. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. so wow, when they that started cool, when they started making those movies, we would see the film crews, and then those movies would come out. And we're like, oh my god, they're movies about us, literally. You know, us kids on the North Shore of Chicago. Um, there was a lot of things uh, that happened in John Hughes movies I saw in real life. So, so that's where my teenage years were. And maybe you can understand why then I don't feel any sort of connection to a, a show produced for the CW. It's sure. just a whole different universe. Sure. To doesn't miss quite it. capture yeah. your well, experience. No. Yeah. And it's well, but it's well outside the, they're uh, the audience that they're, they're vying for. I mean, Frank and I aren't even the audience that they're really vying for most of the time, you know, in a classic CW show. Not, um, not anymore. When I was a teen, I mean, I was a teenager when Smallville was on. So that was like, I was like uh, right at the right age for that. But now yeah. I'm not the right age anymore. But now I'm just like, well, I like superheroes. So I tried with Smallville yeah. because I love Superman, but I right. just, I just couldn't latch on. Eh, I just, that's fair. That's fair. Now there there are rumblings of a Superman miniseries coming to HBO Max. Ooh, um, did see a yeah, there was a rumor about that. Yeah. Nope. So there was a Brandon Routh reprised his role of Superman from Superman Returns and as in a crossover the CW just had and it has such an outstanding his his role had such an outstanding impact on the audience that there's been talks of doing a miniseries with him reprising the character. So is that oh, something that would draw years. you back? After all, right? After, by God, by the time that it probably, if it's real and it comes out, you're talking 15 years after Superman Returns. Yeah. Like, yeah. Is that something that would bring you back to watch Superman sure, on the screen? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, There was some other show that was on, too, that was like a Krypton show. Oh, Krypton. Was Krypton. Yeah. 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 Well, it's Kry called Krypton. <laughs> yeah, it was called Krypton. <laughs> it's CW, right? Sci-fi. Uh, Sci-fi. Sci-fi channel. Oh, it's sci-fi. Yeah. Two oh. seasons two seasons and it's it's a it's a prequel it's superman's grandfather back on on krypton 
Well, well, let me tell you, it is real good. It they, is. They have Brainiac. They have uh, um, Doomsday. Doomsday. They have, yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. It's it, Adam, it, Adam Strange, if you know that character uh, from the comic. Shit. Yeah. yeah you know, it didn't I, feel I, like pandering. It felt like mythology. Yeah. And I think that's yeah, where the show building. Wow, I like that. I like that. Okay, well, I'll have to give that a yeah. spin, I guess. Yeah. There's only two seasons of that, so that's that's an easy... Yeah, I like that, through. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My wife just binged all seven seasons of Mad Men in one week. Woo! I, like, I can't do that. I cannot do that. I'm, in, <laughs> I'm I, impressed. That's, like, that's a lot. That's heavy, I too. I come up for air. Yeah, she had a full week off and went crazy. Good for her. Wow. Yeah. Well, we kept Did she eating. like it though? I guess it's she that. loved it. Oh, okay, <laughs> loved it. Yeah, yeah. we went to a party. She was talking it up to people and right. stuff. Right. Um, you know, after she introduced me as uh, the the, she's like, "Well, Jim has his podcast, Rebel Force Radio," and then of course the disclaimer: I'm not a big Star Wars fan myself. <laughs> <laughs> after 15 years, do you still have to keep saying that to you people know, that you're not? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't introduce you and and say you do X, Y, or Z, and then say, "Well, I'm not a fan of it." Uh, <laughs> right, I'm, yeah. My you know, wife loves birds. Yeah, For me, can't. I hate them. You know, and you're like, that's <laughs> right, not a good right. way to start the conversation. Yeah. Well, she always does it. But she sells herself so short because she knows so much about Star Wars. I've taken her to every film. She's been uh, to Galaxy's Edge. She uh, knows the difference between a Jawa and an Ewok. Okay. She, uh, can even, uh, she can even give you a character dossier on Salacious Crumb. Wow. So, I mean, she wow, knows her, her stuff. She is way above average, but she always has to say that, you know, as if uh, it's a nerdy thing to host a podcast hmm. about Star Wars. But uh, what? What? <laughs> Ask me. Of course it's not. Good. Of course it's not. Uh, I, say, I feel like saying, well, you know, leave the self-deprecation to me. I'll, I'll dump yeah, it on it. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I, I don't need any help in that department. But no, she's excellent. <laughs> She's actually super supportive and loved the Mandalorian and stuff. I, I've never been able to get her into um, really any sort of Superman, though. Mm. I know we went to see some of the Batman films when they were happening with uh, Christian Bale. No, before that. Oh, Michael Keaton. Before that. Like with, yeah, Michael Keaton and um, uh, uh, who's the last one? The Clooney. George Clooney, Val Kilmer. Right. Yeah. That Clooney. Uh. Oh, that's that's brutal. But I, that's a, I I saw that. And I'm like, oh, I kind of like that one too, because <laughs> it's just so stupid. And like Arnold's in it, and he's just so over the top. And- it's so over the top, campy. But what's funny now is that like they they apologize for making it. Like George Clooney apologizes on the DVD bonus features for that Jeez. film. He's like, I'm so sorry we did this to you. I'm I'm sorry. I don't know what we were all thinking. <laughs> Uh, Mark Hamill's one step away from doing every <laughs> thing. He's about to start handing people their money back. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah right. I went to see you at Force Awakens, and you weren't in it. He's like, "Here's fifteen bucks, kid." And enjoy. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't care that he wasn't in Force Awakens because that was just such an entrance, and the whole oh, movie was like the build up to Luke Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah. And then they, we get to Luke, and he's not Luke anymore in the next movie. So, but that's a whole different thing. I got a whole other show about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could, I could sit here and do a whole other show about that. But I could also then talk about like, but he's Luke at the end, and I like it because of this and it. But I, anyway, that's we're going to be here for hours if we, we do that we to will, ourselves. Yes, so we will maybe indeed not be here for, sure, for hours for sure. So, are we leaving any Superman territory? 
any Superman stone unturned at this point? Uh, uh, oh, it's, do we have to say something about uh, release the Snyder cut? Is that something we're <laughs> That's definitely not something Frank will ever say. I could tell you that. I'm, but, I'm a little tired of seeing people tweet you don't about like, it. But. You don't like Zack Snyder, then? No, it's not so much that I don't like Zack Snyder. Because um, I enjoyed Watchmen. I enjoyed 300. Like, I like Zack Snyder. Um, but I just don't care for his vision of Superman. I don't. Right. I, I just. That's fair. That's, I feel like he really, I don't really feel like he gets Superman. I'm not sure he likes Superman. So, but I will say this: people say release the Snyder Cut. Um, if it ever comes out, I'll be there to watch it. I'll watch yeah, it. Absolutely, sure. I want to see. Yeah. But I True just enough. don't feel strongly enough about it where I'm like going to campaign for it. But if it mm. comes out, I'll absolutely want to see it, no doubt. I haven't even seen the other cut yet. I've tried watching it a few times, and it just didn't pull me in. God, it's I got say, moments. The, 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 the last. Moments. 15 minutes or so really gets Superman. I will say yeah. that about I Justice will say League. that. It does get Superman. The movie yeah. does get Superman yeah. better than Just, I think, uh, better than my uh, feeling about the, the, the previous two films. Yeah. So despite the rest of the movie, I think, or whatever you want to say about Joss Whedon, he actually does get Superman. So I will say that by the time Superman actually shows up again, you're like, yeah, right, right on. That's Superman. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I wanted this whole time. That's uh, actually, yeah. yeah. When I say it has moments, that's a moment. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, yeah, it actually well, gets Superman. They kind of redeemed that universe of Superman for me. So well, maybe JJ so Abrams will do a Superman movie now. You never know. Cause he signed on with Warner brothers. I know. I wouldn't right. hate to see that. I would not mm-hmm. hate to see that. No, I and mean, he's, he's the type of guy who would take on that challenge. I think so. I think so. I think he'd we'll be up to see. the challenge. We'll see. We'll I just well, hope they they don't mute the color so much. I, I know, I know, I know. Superman that, kind of a downer working on an oil rig and stuff. You know, I mean, look, Shazam and uh, and Wonder Woman, like they the colors are back in those films. So and I feel, Aquaman, I feel, very and colorful. Aquaman. So yeah, I feel, JJ does not make colorless films. No, they are true. they are very bright. That is mm-hmm. true. The thing Splint. is, will he change it to the planet Kelvin? That's really the thing we got to worry about. Planet Kelvin. <laughs> Kelvin. Is that a planet in Star Trek? Uh, he's That's got a the- thing with. Uh, well, no, the Kelvin was the uh, the ship that the ship. Uh, uh, oh, that uh, Thor, you know, that Kirk's yeah, Kirk's dad was. Uh, I'm still uh, trying to negotiate my way around that stuff too. And then there's the Kelvin Ridge in in the Force Awakens, because Kelvin was what like his grandfather's name or or, or the street he grew oh, up on or something. So he oh, worked really? the word Kelvin into all of his projects. The same way Maybe he worked Grunberg into all of his projects. And Beastie Boys. <laughs> And Beastie Boys, yes. And there's some like Slurpee too that he puts in a lot yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got his I hallmark things. There's a Slurpee got... or something. Like you, it's not one you could buy, but it's like a Slurpee brand, like how Kevin Smith has that fast food brand in his movies. Yes. With the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, the cow, cow, whatever. Mogo. Um. What is yeah. it? Yeah. Mugu, Mogo, something Mugu, like that. Something. I know what you're talking about though. Because yeah. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck go to like the boardroom and movies. movies. Yeah, movies, that's yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. So those are always in his movies. So like uh, JJ has like a Slurpee or something. He's got he his calling in. cards. He's got his calling cards for sure. Yeah. James Silent Bob, that movie comes out this week on home video. Does it? Oh, good. It I'm only excited. had very limited limited theatrical release, and it was only showing in my area for one night, and I yeah. had. Yeah, same for us. I think it was sold out too when because Frank and I tried to go and it was like a Tuesday night at yeah. ten o'clock and I'm like, well, I, I, I'm old. He was I have doing to get the road up for show. work at five. He, right, exactly. <laughs> Kevin Smith was doing the road show where he was taking it around and doing Q and A's after every showing of it, and then they did a Fathom event. Well, 
but I just I couldn't make it. I couldn't make it for either one. So I'm right. I'm excited to watch it at home because I'm I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. So I'm, I'm yeah. I've been looking forward to this this for a while. And he's he's calling yeah, he's, in every favor. He's pulling in every person he's ever worked with to be in this movie. So I'm I'm very yeah, on board. Almost for it. every every almost everyone. There's one he's definitely not calling. Can you guess who? Harvey Weinstein. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh. well, Harvey can only take call- Harvey can only take calls from one person right now. So even hmm. if Kevin called, it's not going through. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> who, who's that? His lawyers. His lawyers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's it. On uh, Curb Your yeah. Enthusiasm, that debuted this week, and uh, yes. the thing. Jeff Garland, who uh, he plays his character, I forget the name of his character on the show. I but think his name is Jeff, isn't it? On the show, is he I like think he's the manager? Jeff, or the he's agent. Jeff. Um, and uh, and he keeps getting mistaken for uh, Harvey Weinstein. People, oh jeez, okay. They I haven't watched this yet. I'm excited. Fucking you! That's terrible. I love <laughs> I love Curb Your Enthusiasm, so I'm excited to. I'm excited. Uh, I haven't watched the episode yet, but I'm last night. It's hilarious. I'm I'm looking well, forward to it. Yeah, he's, he's just standing there in a party, and some woman will come up to him and go, "How dare you!" Oh, it's like you've been getting this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll take you, and he does kind of look like he Harvey. Kind of, you can kind of. I see the. I never thought that bit. before, but no. he does. Now he's going to have to live with that one. Oh boy! All for the glory Larry. of the joke. Good for Larry him. painted him yeah. in the corner with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Larry, he paints himself in the corner in this one pretty well. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm not saying nothing, but you got to watch it. All right. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Well, listen, Jimmy Mack, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I, it's such a blast uh, chatting with you, and uh, we went on for quite a while here. I'm, uh, thank you for giving us your time. Why don't you tell folks about Rebel Force Radio and, and how they can find you online? Uh, you can find us at rebelforceradio.com. Our podcast is everywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, we're at uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, wherever, wherever. Um, we're on uh, social media on Facebook, rebel, facebook.com slash rebelforceradio. Uh, Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, RFR Rebel Force. And... Um, I think there's an Instagram out there and uh, all kind of things, but we're talking Star Wars every week. We're talking Mandalorian. We have a spinoff show, The Mandalorian After Show. We'll also be bringing back Clone Wars Declassified next month when the Clone Wars launches. Yes. I'm going to be on a show that you can see on MeTV called Collector's Call, and I'll be on one of their episodes this season. This is their second season. It's a show where um, Lisa Welchel from Facts of Life goes to visit people who have massive collections of of uh, collectibles and uh, everything from Batman to Star Trek to Elvis and, of course, Star Wars. And uh, there's a guy who lives here in the Chicago area whose entire house is his Star Wars collection. And uh, so we went there and we shot an episode of Collector's Call, and I am featured as the Star Wars expert. So my job is to place... Uh, dollar value on some of his collectibles and um, that of course is a slippery slope and very uh, debatable but uh, I did my research I think I know what I'm talking about and I've been collecting Star Wars stuff for 40 something years so um, that's going to be happening on MeTV Sunday night sometime this season so we'll be posting about that making that announcement on Rebel Force Radio when we find out when I'm going to be on that one so that's a lot of fun and uh, just, uh, you know, 
moving forward into the future with Star Wars. We don't know what's going to really happen outside of some Disney Plus series. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with the film franchise, and uh, hopefully we'll be finding out news about that in the next few uh, months, weeks, or months, and we'll be talking about that along with the rise of Skywalker in great detail for a long time. So, yeah. Right on. Right on. Well, that's thank you for joining us, man. I, I've been listening. I've told you this before, but I've been listening to, Rebel, to, to you guys since uh, before you were Rebel Force Radio and then before, when you were the other show and, and uh, since, since way back, since I think since before you joined the podcast, actually, when you were like a contributor right. sending, sending uh, packages. So listen, man, I, I, it's, it's always, always a pleasure to, to chat with you. I uh, got to chat a couple times with you. Uh, over on your show this time you're over on our turf so uh good to have you over here thank you so much uh for for joining us man it's been a blast oh man awesome conversation guys eye to ball uh let's do it again sometime yeah, sounds you are welcome back anytime you want to talk about whatever you want doesn't really matter because frank and i will talk about anything awesome we're oh, yeah. that so, way it doesn't guys. really matter yeah all right <laughs> all right all right take it easy jimmy Take care. All right. All right. And you can find us on BeerWeekGeeks.com, Gmail, Facebook, and Twitter. We are also on every place that podcasts can be found, just like Rebel Force Radio. So you should listen to both of us, but you should rate us on iTunes, um, but also Rebel Force Radio, even though you might not have listened to them yet, but you probably do because you're cool people. Um, and so five stars for everybody. Frank, you can find the rest of us at other shows on thoppableaudio.com because That's we get right. a slew of whole shows. Frank, you just like updated the main page or something. So like you should really go there and check out all the shows because there's a lot of them. So many to name. I'm not even going to bother to name them except for one, which is Academy Rewind because, um, because the Academy season is coming up. And uh, if you want to bone up on your Academy Award shows, maybe the what are the best of, um, what are the worst of, all such things. Palmer and I are doing a, a, a swell job, if I do say, over there. And guess what? Oh, I'm yeah. going to mention another one to Supergirl.tv, Supergirl TV Talk, which we're talking about Supergirl on the CW, uh, which is in the second half of season five, just post-crisis world. And we've got stuff to talk about. And man, are we talking about superheroes over there, Ooh, too? Oh, boy. We got plenty so to many- talk about. Yeah. So many heroes. So if you're interested in uh, Frank and I talking about Crisis on Infinite Earths because you're geeky people, you can head over to Supergirl TV Talk to listen to what we have to say about that stuff over there. And of course, if you want to hear Frank and I talk about Star Wars, which we did a little bit with Jimmy Mack over here, we talk about Star Wars a lot on this podcast. That's right. So much so that I wish we talked about it more even because I love Star Wars. I know. Yeah. When we've done Mandalorian recap, uh, we did our Rise of Skywalker stuff. We We have some unfinished business with the Rise of Skywalker. I think we need to circle back and uh, and talk more about that because we have yeah. some, some For threads instance, left to complete there. Question that I'm going to ask that I have not asked anybody yet, and I should have asked Jimmy Mack, and I didn't think about it. Ray goes to the Skywalker homestead, and she like slides down the little, you know, slides down the sand dune. She's like, "Wee!" Just like Force Awakens, and then she goes and looks at a chest that's off screen. It's like this big box, and she's like, oh, there it is. And then she just takes this cloth and puts the lightsabers in the ground, but there's nothing to do with the chest whatsoever. I presume she brought that cloth with her. So she went to the Skywalker homestead for a completely different reason than, like, or another reason than just to bury those lightsabers in the sand and to be like, I'm Ray Skywalker, Harry Potter, you know, Baggins, whatever. (laughs) You know, so. (laughs) <laughs> so like what is that frank i need to know we need to speculate at another time we will we will have to pick that up let's let's make that let's put that on the agenda for the for the mm-hmm. next time we talk rise of skywalker for sure because i have thought other thoughts about that sequence too so i like i have there's Ooh. more stuff i want to explore there great all right looking forward to it well then frank until next time cheers cheers <laughs>